They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. But a bye 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 but a bye 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 bye. It may be bye. It could be. We may be saying goodbye to a do badder very very soon. So uh, my name's Jodie Rainsford, and I'm here with my friend David Hellard, and we are the Bad Boy Running Podcast. Um, this is a special. Uh, we've recorded a special because we have a do badder who is attempting something that isn't so much um, incredible as I would put it more mildly awful. Just an awful, awful challenge. Well, it's one of those challenges where it's it's almost beyond comprehension of its scale, its achievability, how achievable it is. Um, and the fact that no one cares. And the fact that no one cares, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that would be the worst thing. It's like it's like the um, the TV reality show when they all came off the island and no they didn't realise... It was cancelled eight months before. It's exact. It could be like that, where he finishes and, and maybe we put this podcast out and then we agree. None of us message him. None of us. <laughs> none of us do anything of any kind of support. And then at the end, if he makes it, um, never mention it again. <laughs> Just be brilliant. Back in the in the early years when I was um, pioneering the running of the MDS, it's like yeah. when you told people, um, you know, before I popularised it. Um, before you, when you told people what the uh, the Marathon des Sables was, uh, no one knew. So you were running this thing, and they just like, well, you know. But if you said, oh yeah, I'm running London Marathon, they go, oh wow, you're running London Marathon. Oh, that's really interesting. So if you go to people, oh yeah, he's running the Monarchs Way, and then it's like, well, I don't know, I don't know what that means. Can't comprehend it. Don't you know? Don't care. So if you haven't guessed who we're speaking to right now, we're speaking to Lee Stewart Evans, who is literally in a car on the way to the start of the race. Yeah, so he's, uh, he's, he's already mentioned his sleeping patterns are whack, so I don't even know if he's going to have a night's sleep before the race or oh if, God, it's, yeah. if it's not going to match up with his patterns. Or... Yeah, but yeah, so without further ado, let's, uh, let's dive into the interview. Lee Stewart Evans! Yay! Yay! <laughs> Hello! Okay. It's great. <laughs> For listeners at home, that's not Lee and Stuart Evans. For some reason, no. he has two first names. Uh, all cool people in running have double-barrelled names. Like that new guy, the um, the Daryl, what's it, J. Daryl Ingleton. It's <laughs> uh, true. Yeah. The man have you is... seen the thread about him? Yeah, he's going to change the face of running as we know it. In mind, he's going to be doing 100-metre racing, uh, half marathons, marathons, ultras, and cross country. He's going to dominate them all. All on the same day? Uh, it looks that way, yes, with this special treadmill. It's in the back of an RV. <laughs> there is some issues, apparently, between kilometres and miles. There seems to be some confusion. But I, he seems legit to me. So for listeners who, who don't know what's happening here, basically, Lee Stewart Evans, uh, I would say, you know, a... a, a one of the elite number of do-badders doing some crazy shit. You are literally en route to starting yes. the Monarch's I'm Way. Speak. We're in the RV now. We're <laughs> testing some of the elements on my Garmin. We're trying to find a cadence that matches about four miles an hour. <laughs> uh, so we're just, you know, we're, just, we're doing literally four or five miles an hour at the moment. It seems pretty genuine. We're quite pleased with what we're doing. So we're hoping by this evening we can have pretty much got this licked. Um, we're going we're to put this out as a special, Lee. Yeah, yeah there's, there's some concerns about this. First of all, um, you always do specials for people that have done really cool stuff. And that's past tense. You podium. podium. <laughs> no, I have a podium, David. I have to finish in order to podium. Yeah, but... no, no, it's, it's just top three. You know, if, if only three people, um, it's just last three survivors, podium. Uh, yeah. Okay. That is good enough. A do-badder currently in podium position, that puts you on a par with Tom Evans. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're on your way to... Where, where's, the, where's the start of the Monarchs? So explain to the listeners, um, how would you describe the Monarchs Way, both as a race and as a challenge? 
Okay, so the uh, the Monarchs Way is the longest and most grueling obstacle course race in the UK. <laughs> How many laps? And, and, and it's only one lap of of Monarchs as well. And Pete Reese has done. I'm sure he discussed on a podcast just how lost we got. Uh, so Pete Reese has done uh, 70 or 80 kilometres on this shitstorm of a trail, um, and it's not a national trail. So it it's just a non-existent route that's uh, it, it's sort of on the map and it's sort of not uh it's not clear how long it is there's quite a lot of discrepancies um and there's a race i had a i had a couple of glasses of something uh, online on the do badder group someone posted a post about six months ago going hey look at this stupid race it's 625 miles long and having had a beer or two i did what i normally do which is i typed i'm in on the comment section and went on the website and signed up. I think the key element here about uh, when people do like long distance races and stuff, you normally want to do races like this because they're, they're beautiful. They take you through some yes. incredible surroundings. They have some sort of element or challenge to them. So you can see why people do the MDS and things like that because they do. What I love about the Monarch's Way is that because it's, um, it's, it follows the route of Charles II who was <laughs> on the run from um, Cromwell's forces, it's, is that yeah. it stays away from all like the major paths and it's actually it goes around all around the back routes the hidden routes the places where you you basically would be hiding along that whole route from forces so there's no beauty to it whatsoever <laughs> uh, i've described it as it's a bit like a really ugly person that's great at sex it takes you to some amazing places, but my God, is it ugly up close. <laughs> <laughs> that's I was the best running it last week. Where you were? Because, I mean, that, that doesn't narrow it down in the UK. I was near Hove, Brighton, near Jodie. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a relatively OK part of the trail where yeah, there's good. signs and stuff. Um, it's nearly doable. Oh, so a lot of it's unsigned. <laughs> <laughs> there's signs for it but they're not necessarily in the right place uh, so there's an official guidebook written by a guy uh, who created it as a concept and that guidebook disagrees with the official OS map which disagrees with the GPX files which disagrees with the race director so um, the beauty is I'm about to run a race that has an infinite number of combinations to what the right route is how are you going to know, how are they going to officiate that you've actually done the right thing? It's funny you should ask that question, because I've been asking this question for the last six months. The race director says that in situations where there is a discrepancy or it's confusing, the guidebook should always take priority. So you're actually going to have to run with a guidebook then? Yes, and um, the guidebook was written in 1992, and I can tell you that the farmers have taken quite a lot of the trail back since then. It's a bit in Dorset. There was a bit in Dorset with Pete Reese where we were, and I shit you not, climbing over a seven-foot-high brick wall uh, because that was the official trail. Okay, and there was an amazing bit with Pete Reese where we got we went through a field about a mile along got to the end of this field at three in the morning and they had completely overgrown barbed wire and closed the, the route off. So I gingerly passed my rucksack under two sets of barbed wire fence, gingerly worked my way underneath these two fences. And Pete has got his brand new WAA MDS jacket on, which he doesn't want to get ripped. So he minces through this fence so he doesn't tear his beautiful little rucks, uh, his uh, jacket. And we get onto the other side and Pete's all sweary. And then I look around and go, oh, shit, no, I do think it is that field, actually, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had to go all the way back through again. And so the thing about this race is, you know, lots of people that run ultras are used to regular checkpoints every six miles and someone with water and the, the route is marked and you know where you're going. And this a route ultra, with water, I think yeah. I think there's a few races where you don't expect that. Uh, <laughs> no that's true uh, if you're ali bailey doing that thames path one uh, <laughs> where you need a six foot straw and a sense of humor um, then that's different but yeah this one i mean i've been out on this trail for since february wrecking the whole route and i can tell you this is not an ultra race this is this is an sas escape and evade two-week mission so I, just so, so so explain so what 
what are the what are the rules then? You, have you got to carry everything yourself? Have you got yeah, to you've check, got drop bags or <laughs> drop crates? There's a <laughs> checkpoint every forty five to fifty miles. <laughs> Um, so it's a doddle you know uh, and so you're effectively out on your own for 24 hour stints um there's uh you've got to have uh, the, the kit list is epic so i mean i basically look like someone being dropped into normandy to liberate france so uh, <laughs> I, uh, i've venom, got venom pump yeah venom pump you'll need so, that round birmingham you really will need that round birmingham yeah. Some, there's some dangerous animals in Birmingham. I'm running with two different pairs of shoes, depending on what terrain and how much how damp it is. Uh, it's a lot of gear. It's about two or three kilos heavier than my MDS bag. Wow. Okay, so that must be what twelve kilograms, thirteen. Uh, yeah, the bag's probably about ten kilos. Ooh. Okay, that's punchy. So, what what do you see as the big challenges on this? What are the, what are the big things that you're going to have to overcome? Well, Not anyone running this would have to overcome. The biggest challenges for this are that if you think being a decent, fast ultra runner is all you need to complete it, you're in all sorts of trouble because there's there's no support here. I mean, imagine doing a Centurion where there was no checkpoints or one checkpoint halfway along. You know, you would your strategy would be completely different. You know, there's no food to grab, uh, nothing. And I, I've spent a lot of time looking back at the three guys that got their asses handed to them last year. And they were three very competent runners. I think Paul Alley, who yeah. was out on day four, day four, is a 17-hour Centurion runner. Yeah. But but I think that was his downfall, that he, he felt being a decent Centurion, you know, he hasn't spent 28 hours on his feet. He hasn't run through the night. He isn't used to navigating when it's normally marked for him. Uh, and, he's not, and, and he's of the ilk, a bit like... Uh, in the same way that the experience David has on the MDS versus the experience I have is different because I'm out there for twice as long. I'm, you know, I'm out in the open. People like David can smash out a race and say, oh, I don't worry about blisters on my feet. I'll worry about them tomorrow. But of course, on a race like this, if you get wet feet on day one, you've had it. Yeah. So what is you've the, had it. what's the, so you, you've got to like carry all, a lot of your own stuff and you're basically you're not seeing your, um, your sort of drop bag or whatever, or at least another um, yeah. a checkpoint for, for 24 hours, for 50 miles or whatever. So just to give an indication of actually what's it, what's it like on the route, is there, like, do you go through towns? Do you go through things? Uh, is, are there sections where there's literally nothing for, for there like, miles are some and miles? Areas that are, yeah, there are some areas that are really bad, really middle of nowhere. What I call guns and banjos. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. Uh, there was a section the other day I was doing where a guy came out in a, in a, in a, Land Rover to just wonder what the fuck I was doing. He just came out and said, "What you're doing out here?" Um, <laughs> which shows how often people use this trail. He couldn't understand why anyone was there, and, and said, "Are there more of you?" And I sort of, <laughs> sort of, thought, does it look like there are more of me? So what? So how do you? Yep. So how do you? Fa- how do you fancy your chances then against against the other two? Without you know, this is your chance Ooh. to talk a bit of smack. Talk a bit of smack. Yeah. Well, um, Alan Robertson, the um, the do better historian, has been doing a bit of delving, and he's dug out he's dug out Alan's Strava segment, uh, Strava from the last three months. Right. And if posted every run he's done in the last three months, he's been doing an average of about ninety miles a month for the last three months, which I would say was, was either gloriously amazing or dangerously stupid. Oh, oh it's oh, it's he's using um Hellardian style uh, yeah. tactics. I think yeah. that's it. It's mind games. Think, yeah, well, it's you know Greg. what he's done. It's Greg. It's Greg. It's Greg. It's Greg has entered under another name. <laughs> he's given his uh, GPS watch to like his mate, hasn't he? He does part runs and said, "Listen, just walk around a bit, um, get your heart rate up, and uh, we'll log it as me for the next three months." So I have to say, I think the other two guys, there were three other guys, but one of them's come to his senses um, and isn't coming. So he's DNS, which is true do-badder. Uh, DNSing a 900-pound race is, is quite do-battery. I yeah. credit where yeah. uh, to, to wake up one morning and go, nah, nah, so I, I'm not going to. podium then, top three. Top Congrats. three, there we go. Top, a do-badder Boom. already in the top three. You just got to finish. Just got to get to the end. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm basically walking it in, aren't I? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right, so, but there are other things. So I think one of the other things that, that um, would frighten me um, about this race is the fact that there's going to be just long stretches where you're just going to be on your own with no, no one to talk to, uh, no. no one to, you know, well, I suppose you can use your phone or whatever, but I imagine there's sections where you've got no like, phone coverage either. So what are, you, what are, your, what are your strategies for, for remaining sane and not, not going well, like, full? Well, uh, excellent. There's some fantastic podcasts, actually. Uh, you can download <laughs> listen to uh, I've got through nearly all of the Monkey Tennis uh, podcasts now. They're very funny. Um, not very and, original, though. Um, not very original. That's the issue, isn't it, with, with, with that sort of, those sort of... Um... Sometimes they do feel like a couple of Oxbridge candidates just sort of laughing at each other's jokes. <laughs> but uh, it, it, they're quite good fun. Uh, I've listened to every single infinite monkey cage there is. Uh, so I now know everything about science and Brian Cox, uh, and the and the Bad Boy Running podcast. You know the monthly podcast there uh, is good to listen to as well. So have you got because it's every forty miles you've you've got the transition point. Transition, yeah, okay, let's call it that. And does that does that because my my worry would be because it says that there's one a day. So does that limit the speed you can go? You almost have to only cover 40 miles a day and there might be some days you want to do more some days you want to do less if i'm gonna guess the other two guys are faster runners than me and they're more experienced on a distance race i know one of them's completed a spine race which is not to be sniffed at um and uh you know it looks like Gallen is certainly a, a, a decent outdoor adventure runner kind of guy just from his facebook pictures but i think if i'm gonna guess the other two runners are gonna uh run hard to each checkpoint where there is a tent and then sleep at those checkpoints and then run again the next day. Yeah. And I'm not going to do that. Um, there was something Lowry said once in one of your interviews, which, which, which really struck with me actually. And she was talking about being on, I think the six, six, three, three, where yeah. she said, I'll sleep where I want to, when I feel like it, not where you tell me. And I totally agree with that. You know, there are times when you feel really good on an ultra, you don't, don't really want to go to sleep you want to just push on and if that's the only place to sleep for 40 miles that's a shame so i've my strategy is to sleep when i need to and when i want to in a bivy bag which i've been doing since february when i've been out wrecking the route so i get the best out of my performance if if that makes sense so you've not so, been home since february you've been out no. you've been out sleeping rough around <laughs> yeah just just like knocking on doors going is this snow on the world um <laughs> uh, yes. chance, then you could get to checkpoints that aren't open yet or aren't manned or no. how well the good news is is uh there's a one-to-one -one support crew to runners ratio <laughs> 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 so what you're really looking at is three caravans slowly moving through the uk uh at three miles an hour it is all going to feel very young ian um so uh so and uh interestingly the race director lindley has decided that he is going to personally uh crew me which i think is a compliment oh my god oh so he, he'll actually so each person will then pack up the aid station and move to the next one when their runner comes and goes essentially yeah, i i think they'll keep in touch on the tracker and they'll keep in touch on messenger they'll have a rough idea when we're coming through and um you know they'll just set up the aid station which will literally be a caravan in a car park i suspect you know a folding chair all the glamour of ultra running oh, it, um, sounds, it sounds a bit like badwater or something you know you've got it's almost like you've got a support crew with you oh this is e well, this is easy you making this you made this out to be really <laughs> difficult it isn't it isn't it isn't hard all you've got to do is is sort of 12 or 13 mds long days in a row <laughs> i mean you break it down like that yeah it's but you haven't that. You haven't got the heat. It's a much easier environment. What's the, what's the weather supposed to be like over the next couple of weeks? That'll make it's, a big difference. Weather's good. We're looking at only about three or four inches of rain a day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and Birmingham is renowned. I'm sure you remember my budget MDS videos. Birmingham is renowned for its... Uh, it's got an unusual type of sunlight that has water droplets in it. Uh, oh, wow. So it's, uh, but there is a one dry section in Birmingham, which is the underground tunnel I go through, where I don't get rained on, but it's 
flooded by about six inches of water. So that's good. So there's you because you've done so much wrecking, and I assume that none of the other uh, runners have probably done the same level of, of wrecking. So you know, like the secrets of the trail. You know, almost just, like yeah, th- I, there must be areas where you go. There's no way that they're going to be able to negotiate this. Yeah, you know, there must be like places like that along the route. There are three areas where I firmly believe they are fucked. <laughs> Start, finish. Start, finish, and all the bits in between. Um, no, there are three particular areas where I believe they are going to lose their mind. And the reason I know that is because I've been there I've and I've lost the, changed, my mind. Cha- changed all the signs. <laughs> Do you know what? That would be amazing. I could pay someone to be a couple of hours in front of me moving all the signs off the posts for the other guys and then putting them back on again as they pass through um and so so what about what about things like um like the amount of food so have you worked out if you're if you're going to be averaging like 40 50 miles a day how much food do you need to eat what's your calorie intake going to need to be uh, well i'm I'm very much of the Rainsford approach to ultra running and food so for me unless i'm putting weight on something's gone horribly wrong um (laughs) But the good news is there are relatively regular places like towns and villages um, where there are village shops, there are pubs, there are petrol stations. And so in the wrecking, I've made a note like a complete nerd of the location of all of them. I've even taken photos of every shop with the opening time so I know when they're open and closed. Um, So I've made a note of every time I've seen a tap available for water. you know everything and i've also made a note of every single place that might be suitable for sleeping in a bivy bag you know densely dense woods that kind of thing so from that point of view i'm ridiculously well prepared but, um, but, but there's a but the there's a but there's a but coming the, well the but is making that comment is great then we cut to me in two weeks when i've not finished and <laughs> we laugh at the fact that i just made the statement <laughs> yeah so so what are you gonna do because you, you've mentioned that you're it sounds well, like you're, the question it sounds like you're pretty reliant on your phone. So how are you going to keep it charged when you're only getting into transition? Probably for so half an hour. I've got, I've got multiple charger packs. And what will happen at every checkpoint is I will hand Linley a, an empty one and, and I'll have a new one ready to go. And I'm relying on Linley to recharge some of these charger packs uh, as they cycle round. But um, I'm actually a little bit worried about I'm a bit worried that there might be a checkpoint where there's no one there. So I've also got one of those charger packs where you chuck AA batteries into it and you can charge your phone off that. It's really clever. I only realized they existed recently. So you put four AA batteries in it and you can charge your phone off it. So I can keep buying batteries at shops to ju- and throw them away when they're spent to keep yeah. my phone running and my you know Bluetooth stuff running, that kind of thing. How keep my watch running I've got to recharge my watch every eight hours but how, right so right that that all makes loads of sense but how are you going to like cope with like the fatigue and i you know you know what it's like when um uh, after you know 50 60 70 miles you start like losing right. your mind a little bit how are you gonna yeah. how are you gonna make sure that you actually remember to do all of these things and and, and actually keep hold yourself together Again, it's a little bit like Lowry. Lowry again talked about this. She had a checklist even for getting into a sleeping bag, which sounds stupid. But actually, when you're knackered, you need help. So I've got a checklist for going to bed, i.e. put this on charge, put that on charge, take your contact lens out, uh, check you've, you're not sleeping on a golf course, which got, is something you've got, I did. You've got an actual checklist, what, written down on something? Yeah, just a little laminated, very, very small little card for what to do when I get to a shop. Because when you get to a shop and you're tired and confused, you're standing like an idiot going, I don't know what to buy. So I've got a checklist that goes, you know, get some pepper army, get some Red Bull, get one and a half litres of water, get some fruit, you know, get a sandwich if you can. So there's, a, you know, do you need tissues? Do you need batteries? So if you do that, it means you don't stand like an idiot in a shop for 10 minutes smelling like a hobo. Um, you can be in and out quickly and get the stuff you need. How are you going to carry enough water? I just, I, I, if this, it just seems so crazy. Like you, the amount of water you're going to need to carry. I got away with it. In in all the wrecking I did, I did on one stage over the April bank holiday weekend. I did four days out on the course, completely unsupported, and co- covered just shy of three hundred kilometres on my own. And I never came a cropper on water. I managed to always find somewhere to get water. Really. 
And how many hours rest are you per mile? Are you assuming what? How are you going to pace it? What, what do you think you're going to break it down into? What size chunks? It's broken down. I've been since February. I've been learning to do a thing called polyphasic sleep, which is where you have shorter bursts of sleep in chunks during the day through a 24-hour period. So my plan is I'll sleep from 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. every day without fail. And that's the worst time for your body rhythm, as you guys know. Um, and then for the rest of the 24-hour stint, I've got a three-hour window to have two naps. And that's simply when I need them. So and when you get used to this kind of polyphasic sleeping, your body drops straight into deep sleep. So it's a quality sleep. And actually, when I did uh, when I did that 70, 80K run through the night with Pete Reese just before he did the MDS, yeah. we were making breakfast once at five in the morning. And while my food was heating up, I said to him, I'm just going to nod off for 20 minutes. And he sat there quite bemused and surprised when I went to sleep for 20 minutes, woke up again and carried on doing what I was doing. Isn't this just an excuse to have a nap in front of other people? That sounds like the sort of thing my dad would do. I'm just having a polyphasic sleeping cycle. Polyphasic. Um, Do you know, there's been some times where I've had a nap in the afternoon on these recce's in the middle of a field, in the middle of nowhere, and the sun's out, and it's actually quite nice. It's quite pleasant. (laughs) Have you ever had a nap on a uh, a nap on a run at any point, David? Mm, to the thing, not. <laughs> I, I love I mean, the idea that a race is so long that you could just have a nap in the middle of it. I'd be tempted to do it post summiting, but you know, it's just when <laughs> uh, I, that's any, always going to be the case. Are yeah. there any plans for summiting along the route, or or or, or, or doing Does a peeping mode? Summiting count. Says what? No solo summiting. I Does think that... save your energy. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's two weeks. It's a long time. Who knows who I'll meet out there? So, is, is there a chance then that you're is some of the area that it goes through not actually legal for you to be on the land? No, uh, uh, it's all a right of way. Yeah. Um, but but what you're basically doing is what I would call stealth camping. So you're learning to to, to maybe come a few meters off the trail into some woods, which may or may not be someone's land. But the idea is that you're asleep, you know, you're in a green bivy bag. I've deliberately got dark clothes. You know, no one knows you're there. You break camp at five in the morning, so you're gone before anyone's up. So no one really knows you've ever slept there, if you see what I mean. And you're not likely to have farmers going to chase you off their land, or you think that could potentially be? The worst thing I've had is I went to sleep on one recce. I slept right near Tough Guy. Um, uh, In fact, the queue was still there for the killing fields as I went past. (laughs) Uh, it was, I think it was March and I could still see the queue and people telling Mr. Mouse to fuck off. But um, I slept near there and I was so tired. It got to about two in the morning and I just said, I have to sleep now. And I, there was this single Scots pine tree in this quite open green area. And I was like, I'm just going to crawl under there, bivy bag out, go to sleep. And on that night, I woke up an hour later with a deer right over the top of me, interested in my bag. And I shit myself. And so did this deer. And I literally, I couldn't sleep for an hour because my heart was thumping. And then I woke up in the morning and I can hear these two old men talking. And I, I sort of getting my brushing my teeth and putting a contact lens in. And I look out through these branches and I've gone to sleep on a golf course. Um, and there's two old guys playing an early round of golf. And I'm literally asleep under a tree on a golf course. And I, I sort of climbed out of the tree and these two old men said, you can't camp here. This is a golf course. And I said, Oh, I'm not camping. I'm just a runner. I must have just fallen asleep. <laughs> and <laughs> this guy came over with an electric buggy and told me to piss off. Um, this, this, I tell so, you yeah. what, this race sounds just awful. Just like it's, from start to what, what? What's the point of it again? What do you, is this for? A, is this for a, a Guinness yeah. World Record or something? Is it? What, what would you get? You'll get a really, really big medal. Um, and also, this record has been held by a do-badder now for nearly 400 years. You know, Charles <laughs> II, he was 22, he went on a 625-mile bender, taking in every single pub on the way whilst being dued by the government. You know, this record needs to be broken. Uh, but will it, will, it, will it be an official record? I mean, will it be like, a, I don't know if it goes in Guinness World Record or anything, but will it, I suppose it will. No, because, because the route is so ropey, The issue is that technically the longest national, the longest trail in the UK is the Southwest Coastal Path at 630 miles, uh, which Damien Hall did uh, a few months ago in 10 and a half days, which is epic. 
Um, I was lucky enough to have some time with Damien about two weeks ago on the phone because there aren't many people you can talk about pacing plans with for 600 mile races other than Damien. And um, well, what's interesting is the race is officially either 615 or 625, depending on who you are. Uh, the longest, well, which Damien, Damien, Damien Hall's done. But um, I actually think the Monarchs might be a little bit longer than it for no other reason than it suits what I want to think. Well, that's good um, enough. That's good enough. Yeah. It is the longest bad boy yeah. guarantee. There we go. Exactly. Well, it's Ingletonian, isn't it? If I decree that it, it, I am faster than, than what my treadmill tells me, then that's fine. And so now... Right, so th- right, so this is the this is the best part of it. Okay, is that you you are now you're not allowed paces, but you are allowed to have people who um, can run along with you for small sections, can't they? That's not correct because you've used the term run. Who um, can who will be able to accompany you uh, in a uh, a casual manner along sections? So I think right, so th- th- we're gonna um, we're, I think you've already put or we're gonna put the um, tracker in the Facebook yeah. group in the uh, Bad Boy Running Facebook group. But yeah. this is a great opportunity for any, um, any do-badders um, to actually provide you with... Uh, they're not allowed to provide you with food or anything else like that. They can just provide no. um, accompaniment um, in, in those sections. I've checked with the race director, although I'm not allowed to drink a milkshake, it can be thrown over me. And if it goes in your mouth, that's just a happy coincidence. No, my mouth would have to be taped shut uh, in order for the, the race to continue, but I can be milkshaked provided nothing goes internal. This sounds very sinister at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> also, there's been various threats from do-badders to turn up in the last 200 metres, shove a Mars bar in my face and cause me to DNF. So that's a, that's a disqualification, uh, isn't it? If you get any assistance on the route, is it, or if you go off the route by, how was it, a, a, a kilometre or so? 500 metres. Yeah, 500 metres off trail can effectively be deemed disqualification. Uh, which is if you funny. run back and do extra miles. Uh, yes, that's okay. going to be such a difficult oh. thing to track, isn't it? That's going to be oh, such it's, a... it's, if you, if you guys, if you can be bothered, take a look on the GPX file on the tracker website. Have a look at Clifton Suspension Bridge in Bristol. Uh, the official route in pink goes over Clifton Suspension Bridge. If you look at my Twitter feed, you'll see me tweeting a picture of me underneath the suspension bridge on the other side of the gorge on the monarch's way so um on that situation if you follow the pink gps files you'll be 500 meters off trail vertically um <laughs> as you <laughs> when you're in bristol and i suspect if one of the other runners is still with me in bristol they're going to be very pissed off when they're on the wrong side of the avon gorge and i'm waving across and shouting fuck you buddy from the other side <laughs> <laughs> this just it just sounds awful from start to finish i just i don't even know why you're doing it well i'm doing it because i had a couple of drinks and i always say i'm in when i'm on the do badder group and someone mentions a run but if there are there are there are easier ways of getting to the beer lovers so if i i mean that's it, isn't it that you have to finish this in time to get on the get on the Eurostar. part of the problem is the cutoff for the race is after beer lovers start so i have to pace this to finish the race a couple of days early to be able to get to beer lovers in time what better motivation man? the thing is you're not going to have enough time to prepare for beer lovers so you're going to have to pick up your mime artist outfit along the way at various shops in towns and villages so the issue is i've got to finish this in time for beer lovers which starts whilst the monarch's way race is still on so i've got to pace this to finish two days early so that i can get to beer lovers if you finish this is there is, yeah. there, is this gonna, is this like a big deal i'm trying yeah. i'm trying to work this out is it it is yeah is i'll it, be is in... it like local newspapers type thing uh, that... oh no <laughs> runner's <laughs> world no you run as well or walker's world <laughs> I can probably start the bad boy walking podcast. Uh, you know, the problem with rambling clubs is they're full of ramblers. I, no, I don't. I can't see anyone really giving a shit. Can you? <laughs> I mean, who wants to get involved in a spectator sport? It's not like Formula One where they whiz past every couple of minutes, is it? It's like, well, we've been here a week and a half and Lee's coming through Salisbury at some point. It's exciting. You know, uh, it's it's. I think I described it to someone the other day is it's going to be like watching glaciers race. 
So what do you? All right. So right. You've basically you've got an advantage here over over the other runners in the sense that you've got um, the do badders behind you. So what is it that you? How can the do badders help you on this race? What can we do in order to There's... spur you onto the finish? Well, there's two things do batters can do. The first thing is they need to adopt very much the mentality I had with the MDS. I want relentless abuse on messages, no mercy. Um, but also, I think this is an opportunity for the do batters to show everybody else just how awesome we are as a community as well. So what I'd like to see is to people to look up Chris Yo and Alan Cormick on, and I, I mentioned them on my post, look them up on Facebook and send them supportive messages. So spur them on like Pete Reese and get people to punch me in the face <laughs> uh, like G-Law. <laughs> and, uh, you know, let, let's show, let's show everybody that instead of just supporting just me, you know, let's support three people who are stupid enough to turn up on a start line and do this race. I mean, one guy's come from Hong Kong for this. I mean, how disappointed is he going to be? I mean, the, the good thing is, if we support them as well, we've got um, three times the chance of supporting the leader. So, uh, the well, winner. actually, no, it's it's far better than that. If you support them well, and we all three of us finish, we have a one hundred percent do bad a pony podium setup on an ultra, <laughs> so, <laughs> which is which is awesome. So, where where do you realistically think? What, what do you realistically think is going to happen then, kind of day by day, week by week, and how you how do you think you're fair? I think I'll be, I'm not concerned about the first three or four days. Yeah. Because I've done four days on trail on my own anyway. So for me, I can get out of Birmingham. I don't think this race starts till Stratford. I think Stratford's based, everything before that is just a preamble. So the first 150 odd miles, it's just a preamble. And how many miles a and day then I think race actually starts. be? Um, it's probably too late for my competitors to inspire me, but my aim is about 50 miles a day. Okay. Okay, so you're coming. And actually, it's spread across 18 hours of moving a day. So actually, if you do the maths on that, it's not as bad as it sounds. It's less than three miles an hour, and still allowing me six hours to sleep. It's not. It's not that far, really. It's not. I mean, it is quite far, but it's not like Eddie Izzard, child killer. He yeah. um, he he did like a marathon a day quite easily. Ice cream yeah, band. he walked a marathon in eight to ten, eight to ten hours with an ice cream van behind him, a massive support crew, a professional physio, an entire production company, and ice cream whenever he wanted it. So I mean, he had it tough. <laughs> and but he had to do it. He had to do it on pavement, and you're doing it on trails, which must be a little bit easier on your legs. Oh, well, easier going over walls, <laughs> cutting my way through barbed wire and swearing at a trail because I've no idea where to go. I just, yeah, I've definitely got the easier option than him. That's for sure. I don't, I don't understand. So how, how many pairs of shoes are you taking with you? Three. Imagine a race where you're going to get through two whole pairs of shoes from brand new to finish. The thing, I think the trouble will be if they do get all wet, which is probably inevitable, depending on the weather, that uh, is Lindley prepared to take a pair of trainers and dry them off for you <laughs> no he's gonna stick them I, in a plastic no. bag and just <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't need that actually one of the pairs of trainers i've got are the ultra um the neo the neo shell uh lone peak so they're waterproof they're waterproof and breathable they're more like a hiking boot and then as a belt and braces i've also got two pairs of army waterproof breathable socks so during the mornings when it's dewy and when it's raining i'll be in waterproof boots with waterproof socks on and then when it's dry and it's not raining, I'll switch to a breathable pair of ultras that are more cushioned. And then I've got three pairs of socks on the go. So I'll, I'll always have a pair of socks sort of hanging off me like a like a shopping line um, drying. And yeah. so because the key here is keeping your feet dry. You know, the guys that did it last year who were decent ultra runners were out of this race because their feet got trashed. They didn't take care of their feet. Uh, and once your feet are wet and once your feet get blistered, it's just a matter of time before you drop out. And are you going to tape or? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm tape my feet, yeah. So are you going to tape once and hope for the best or tape and keep retaping every day after no, a certain I'm, amount of time? Or I'm going to tape once with the Hyperfix, with the really sticky stuff the Doc Trotters guys use uh, on the MDS. Oh, yeah. And that stuff, you can literally glue a person to a ceiling with. It's incredibly sticky. 
Uh, and it's taken me about six months to track it down because this stuff was so good that on the last day of the MDS, I walked into the Doc Trotter's tent pretending I had a problem when I didn't and just took an entire roll of it because it was so good. And it's only just run out a year later. And now I don't know where to buy it from. So I've been frantically online and eventually Colin Barnes of Elizabeth Barnes fame uh, helped me track down what the stuff was and he sells it on his website. So uh, I'm quite pleased uh, I've got a, I've got that stuff. So, yeah, you can literally stick a human being to a ceiling with it. So it's pretty adhesive. Uh, uh, what do you think are going to be the what things do you think could possibly scupper this race for you? Uh, you know, there are only uh, a couple of things that could go wrong, really, with this race. And that is uh, me, the trail, weather, conditions, kit, food, <laughs> uh, other people, hostility and being mugged. Um, those are the only things I'm worried about. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it, it just sounds just utterly, utterly shit as a race. There are two segments through Birmingham City Centre and a very rough part of Bristol where I literally walk past people sleeping on mattresses near an abandoned warehouse where I actually felt quite unsafe. Uh, and I'm going through both of those segments at night on this race. They're probably waiting for you now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're listening, yeah. listening to the podcast. Yeah. Hey, uh, Joe, yeah. there's a mattress there. Just you're going to look, you're going to look like a dirty, stinky old tramp anyway. So yeah, and what, smell right. And smell, yeah, yeah. Have you so, uh, have you got any have you I've got have you got any sort of like uh, uh, sort of secret weapons? Which uh, won't be much secret once you've been on the, on the podcast. But do you have anything? you've stashed away that you think you know might might give you the edge what will give me the edge on this race uh pork scratchings <laughs> it's a, they're a superfood david was... goes on about beetroot juice forget it pork scratchings are a superfood at what point at what point do you reckon lee needs to drop a um a caffeine bullet <laughs> actually i don't know races like this because it's you know caffeine the, the benefit diminishes with each use so yeah i don't think it's ever been i i think it's just nice to have there when you and just have half of one every you know just take some caffeine and just top up a tiny bit whenever you need a little bit of a booster because i think if you took a whole i think if you took a whole heavy dose heavy dose give a long yeah uh well plus that and the fact that caffeine bullet is now that is true. That is true. Why couldn't you I, I was going to take camel toe, but of course there's no one to tow me. So uh, that's useless as well. So thanks, David. All your products are going to see me through this race. You find the right animal. Kid. No, I say you could camel, camel toe yourself to that deer, surely. Or to a, or an irate oh. golfer. Yeah, or sheep toe I could use, couldn't I? Yeah, thanks for the advice, guys. Awesome. <laughs> I just, I think it's, it's one of these things. It's like you are on territory that just no one no one how do you deal with this i mean the, the closest you get are people that do um land's end to john o'groats but even that is sort of a well yeah. a well-known route now um and you know a lot of people have done it and so it's you know very clear as to where, where the challenges are and there's a lot of you know things on route that make it a much much less challenging run because you you can pick stuff up and, and normally when people do those they're they're, they're well supported as this is like proper minimal support so yeah i just why it's, it's weird to think that in the UK there is still effectively a trail ultra that's uncharted territory for both distance but, and even even the, where the route the, is. The question um, the question you need to ask yourself is why is yeah. this well-known trail not walked yes. on? And it's because it's shit. Yes. Yes. Well, we it's come ugly. back to the analogy of the ugly <laughs> person that's good at sex. It's that's why <laughs> that's why no one walks on it because no one yes. likes it. Yes. <laughs> Well, and you asked me earlier, you said to me, what was, what's one of my motivations for doing it? And actually, one of my selfish motivations is, as an incredibly slow, back-of-the-pack ultra plodder, this is my one shot at winning a race. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Ryan, Ryan my, entire, my entire race strategy is based around slow and steady and hope to Christ everyone else drops out. David, it's David's thing. You you run the races, you can podium, and you and actually yes. you, you've proved already that you are you are Correct. top three. To, are you yeah. actually? Aren't you? Aren't you like second Brit so far or something? I'm far, second fastest Brit second certainly. Fastest Brit. I'm starting. I'm starting in the elite pool as well. Two hours later than everyone else, uh, which is quite <laughs> exciting. 
and um, so when does when does the race actually start it starts at the crack of 10 a.m tomorrow i'd love to i'd just love to see what the start of a 600 mile race will do they fire a gun and then you all go running no. off or no literally. it'll be four blokes stood in a field and one of them will go uh go and then that'll be it but i think you should gun it out and really outsight them you reckon? Oh uh, yeah, you should yeah, be yeah yeah lead for the first four hundred meters. <laughs> yeah. The monarchs. Okay. Well, well, there's there's actually a problem with that um, because this trail has been so brutally horrible to me in so many places. When I did the recce segment from the start, I got there in the middle of the night and and uh, I arrived at midnight to start the recce in the Worcester bit, and I desperately needed a poo very early on, and I thought it would be cool to establish dominance with this trail early by showing it who was boss. <laughs> My concern is that somewhere in the first 200 metres of this race is a too bad a landmine. So I'm actually going to take it slow off the start and let someone else find it. Oh, no. <laughs> I, is, well, um, good luck with... Well, I'm trying to think if there's anything else to cover. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how you, how you go on from that. So basically, it would be great if... Um, uh, so we're going to track you um, in the do badder group. It would be great if do yeah. um can message you. What's the best way of messaging you? Um, message publicly on the Do Better group and tag me so everybody can laugh at the message. Um, or Facebook message me. I'll accept all Facebook requests and dick pics. Uh, WhatsApp, uh, carrier pigeon. By the time I finish the race, there may be some whole new methods of communication that are invented um, that, that go live whilst I'm out there. So if there are any technological developments during the race, let me know. And if, so if, if people um, do badders are along the route um, and living near uh, different sections... Um, and yeah. they want to run with you. Um, yeah. I mean, that would that would be amazing because I imagine that you're gonna you're gonna appreciate the uh, the company. Yeah, uh, definitely. Bruno's gonna come meet me on Monday, and and walk a bit of a stretch with me through Birmingham just to laugh, really. Um, but yeah, if people want to look at the tracker, they can always message me direct. I can email them my pacing notes, so it gives them a rough idea of where I'll be when. And I can message them, and they can tell me what they're thinking. And I can message them and let them know roughly when I'll be in those areas. And so, what are the big towns and cities that you... Are the, uh, well, it would take me about two hours. Would you like me to list them? Well, I, I mean, there must be some of the, some ones that are more likely to have do badders than others. Uh, well, you've got every area around Worcester going north around Birmingham, Wolverhampton, Dudley. So uh, it's Worcester, Birmingham, Stratford-upon-Avon, um, Bath, Bristol, uh, Glastonbury, down to Dorset. So there's Charmouth, Bridport. And then out to Yeovil, Salisbury, Winchester, Rowlands Castle, all through Sussex on the South Downs Way. Brilliant. So we, uh, there must be. Yeah. We're, we're basically, <laughs> basically going to the only place where anyone's going to meet you is if they're sat in the Brewdog in Brighton and there might be I, a chance you run past. I'm suspecting a load of uh, do batters will go hang. Uh, wait at the brew dog uh, in Brighton and then say, yeah, no, I, I supported him. I paced him for uh, some of the trickier parts of the race. You know, those last four miles along the broad walk uh, when he really needed me with a couple of pints. Actually, um, that, so, that, yeah. la that last section is pretty rubbish. I mean, I, I, I... It, sums, it sums the route up. You know, it's <laughs> miserable. It smells and, it, and it, it's just downright depressing. It's a nice way to end a, a, a shit race, really. <laughs> I, can't, just, uh, I can't wait to just see how it falls apart for you um oh I've, I've you know seen, there's I've so no, many possibilities it's amazing i've no doubt that you're going to finish it i i, I honestly Ooh. i think i no doubt you're going to finish it the thing that annoys me the most about this is how how prepared you are um it's it's a level of preparation that i that absolutely makes my nose bleed um <laughs> which do, i mean like do you get this prepared david when you when you do so i mean like have you ever done anything that's needed this level of preparation i don't think i've ever been to a a course before no seen it in advance but no i mean mds for me was the the most prep the most days the most distance uh, and i felt prepared for that but certainly never you know i'd not actually changed my sleeping patterns or um checked meter by meter the, the course or things like that so um but then it is a, it's a, such a different level of commitment that i guess you have to you could have spent this, you could have spent this time doing something else. You could have learnt like Japanese or something in this time if you'd have dedicated yourself I to could it. Or, probably so, or have, something useful. I could probably have trained to do a sub two two hour marathon in this time. <laughs> <laughs> and I could have done it with Birkenstocks on and got a massive new sponsor. Um but yeah, it's it's been six months 
Jeez. Uh, so, and yeah, the thing is, I, well, know, what happens? So the thing is, if you get to if you get to like you know uh, five hundred miles and you you drop out. <laughs> You know that that's unfinished business. You're going to come back next year. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, when I did the Thames Pass 76, uh, I felt it was un- unfinished business. And then the North Downs Way 86, when I dropped out 86 miles into 100, you do feel a little bit aggrieved. But if I go 500 odd miles into this, there is no way I'm doing this again. No. Well, well it's, no. it's essentially just a, D- a DNF, which you could have done within the first mile <laughs> yeah if you can see it yeah it's DNF, just overachieving DNF. badly yeah yeah oh god it sounds just awful uh and yeah. i don't envy you in any way i the thing is i uh, i said to david um a bit earlier that i do have a pang of jealousy and i don't really understand what it is um about you doing this because this is going to be like sort of mind-blowing in terms of what, what you're going to put yourself through um it's going to be hilarious hilarious for us to see how human being comes undone under these circumstances (laughs) well i mean we all got to enjoy the slow descent of man that was pete reese for the week in the mds and he went from a skinny guy to a to a gaunt you know sniveling wreck the poor guy um for me i almost think that this is the closest we can get to a uk barclay marathons in the pointlessness of it and the the impossibility of it. You know, we had an email from the RD two days ago saying, I don't expect all of you to finish. I don't think this race is possible. Have a good race. I don't think this race um, is possible. That's what the... He doesn't. <laughs> it says on his website. It says on his website, I don't believe this is doable. <laughs> I think it um, is the right approach because, I mean, in theory, you can walk it. Yeah. Exactly. And I think the mistake the guys made last year was they said, oh, I'll smash out the first day, do 100 miles quickly, get ahead and then just cruise from there. But if you applied that mindset to a marathon, that's saying, right, what I'm going to do at London is set off at 100 meter sprinter speed. I'm going to do, you know, nine seconds for 100 meters. I'm going to get a couple of kilometers in front of the Ethiopians and then cruise from there. And it's madness. If you look at the pace people set off on a 100 miler, it's much slower. So clearly, if you apply that logic, you're going to set off on a 600 miler at about half a mile an hour, aren't you? Slow and steady. And then ease yourself in, you know, warm up for the first week. And then when you're warmed up, (laughs) settle into a nice pace. I mean, the beauty with this distance is I can do all the training for the race during the race and then sort of taper towards the end of the race. So, uh, so this, I mean, this is just a brilliant build-up for beer lovers. So you are you are aiming yeah. to get on the three o'clock um, Friday yeah, the fun party train. train. That's yes. gonna be, that is going to be unbelievable. I cannot wait. That train is going to stink, and I'm going to make sure I walk <laughs> up and down the whole train. <laughs> Who would ever have thought that somebody would be on a train that would look worse than Andy Parry? <laughs> Well, this is amazing, man, um, and uh, and really good luck. We're, we're going to be following you in the group and um, and tracking cool. you, and make sure that we yeah we're giving you like plenty of support, um, and then uh, yeah we'll catch up with you uh, afterwards to just see what what happened, good or yeah bad. we can do we can do a podcast in four days' time, find out what went wrong, <laughs> uh, <laughs> cut back to all the quotes I made, you know, with all my smackdown saying yeah this is going to be amazing, I've got this covered, and then we'll talk about what I did wrong and and what I've learned from it. Yeah, this is going to be your um, your equivalent of my. Um, I think the uh, cutoff may be a problem um, <laughs> moment. <laughs> all right, okay, cool. Uh, so Thanks, uh, guys. good luck, man, and um, have a great race. Bye 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 bye. Fuck you, buddies. See you, Jet. Good luck. <laughs> Bye. Bye, man. Bye. I tell you what, I'm glad I'm not doing it. Yeah, I will. If you could guarantee me the weather. <laughs> I think then, that's. No, you're absolutely right. I hate Britain. Yeah. And it, it would just be the. I, I don't mind. I don't mind a bit of rain. Um, but given that he's out there for so many days and the weather at the moment as well. If you're trying to motivate yourself when you're in that long a race and it's just pissing it down and pit, especially his, his strategy of sleeping in a big, big, bivy bag. I think it makes a lot of sense in some ways, but if you're getting into a bivy bag that he could reach a point where nothing is dry. He can just, he just can't get dry at all because his clothes are wet. He hasn't got enough dry clothes. Yeah. He can't change them. He can't dry them off. 
and he just got a bivy bag to sleep in. So it could be that hypothermia gets him. I mean, that's the thing. Because there's so little support, and he's not allowed to get outside support, it means mm. basically there's a chance that he could be in wet clothes for a 24-hour period before he gets to somewhere where at least, you know, he might be able to sit in a car for a bit with a heater on or, or something yeah. like that. Um, are there rules against using hand dryers in toilets? Uh, no, I, don't, I, I think as long as they're on the route, you're allowed to you're allowed to do that. I don't think there's anything stopping you going into a shop and sitting on the floor for two hours to, to warm up. Um, just but you're not, crying. Just crying and sobbing. You go, we've, got, we've got a do-badder just sat in the middle of a spa crying his <laughs> eyes out. <laughs> that, that is what we want pictures of. I mean, that... Yeah, I just, I, absolutely. When I think what I'm like on a, on a long race after a certain amount of time and why, you know, one of the reasons you need a pacer in a lot of those sense isn't, mm-hmm. to, you know, isn't necessarily to do the pacing element. It's literally just to keep you focused on what yeah. you're doing and to, you know, to make sure that you're eating enough and things like that. And if you're on your own... It's just that, but for like such long periods. Uh, and, and even, I mean, you mentioned eating right, but even, I wouldn't even know over that amount of time what I should be eating, let alone then actually committing to taking on probably these unnecessarily large number of calories constantly. Oh, it just, it sounds, the thing is, it, it, it just sounds terrible. I keep saying it. I think I've said it every, like, ten minutes. It, it, what do you rate these chances? I think, I, all right, Lee, I've never known someone who, well, I, I assume he does a preparation, at least talks yeah. about doing preparation. So if he talks, <laughs> if he does as much preparation as he talks about, then yeah. um, I, you know, I, think his, I think his chances are good. I, he's properly prepared. I've never known someone to have gone, like, to recce that whole course. That takes such an amount of commitment. Yeah. And, then, and then, you know, he's using, like, two weeks of his fucking holiday to do this. I mean, just, it, it, it's, I think there, there's so much in it. And like you said, there's a chance that he could actually win a race that... Um, that, you know, and I think, yes, I, th- I, yes, think yeah. the other, I think, yeah, and I think this is, this will be, you know, if, if we can like support him doing this as much as possible, but you know, try and take that element out of it that that maybe you know that that may be an issue, you know, like the loneliness and uh, the motivation stuff. If we can do that, then I think, um, you know, it's like you say, it's going to come down to what's the if the weather and the wetness and everything causes it, then there's not much we can do about that. But at least yeah. we can we can provide all the you know the motivation we can. Hopefully, if there's some do badders available, they'll be able to too. So will he be, in theory, the second person to have completed this <laughs> after after the king? Yes, yes. That's amazing. That is literally amazing. You can say I'm the first guy to have run the monarch's way, to have done the monarch's way since the monarch. I was like disappointed though that there wouldn't be a boat at the end for him to jump into that sails him all the way to Liège. That would yeah. that would have been, that would have been amazing. Yeah. Well, it, I reckon. Given how epic it is, if he actually does does this. We can probably get a. Do- there must be a do-badder of a boat who lives <laughs> on the south coast. Do-badder <laughs> with a boat. We need a do-badder of a boat. You've got to be out there, do-badders. Someone who lives near Brighton. Is it near Brighton? Yeah. So um, if you if you can give that dream ending, there's there's only about a one percent chance you're going to have to do it. So uh, commit to it now, and then you'll look like a hero even if you don't have to do anything, which is a 99% chance. And there's only that 1% chance you're going to get the hassle. But if you do, I mean, that'd be brilliant. Surely get South Today coming out to film it. Yeah, no, I like it. I think there's so much opportunity to think for things to happen en route to, yeah. uh, to either like, improve the experience for him. But I, we'll, we'll see how it goes because, you know, it might take, it might take uh, a while because you've got that dynamic of the other, the other two people on the route as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just, you know, it's an incredible challenge. It's going to be amazing. When he finishes it, it's going to be amazing. And I love the fact that he's basically doing this just to get to Liège on time to have a beer with his mates. I mean, it's just, it's so utterly brilliant. I mean, the, the ideal thing would, would be if, uh, if he finishes and comes third. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be awful. Yeah. But right. he doesn't realise that. He thinks that he, he assumes they'd have pulled out everyone lies to him like you're the only one left you're winning oh, and then no, no 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 third would be second second would be second, would be, would, yeah. would be terrible wouldn't it that would just be like the worst thing ever he loses a walk off well um, 
he's by the time you hear this he's going to be out on the course so we're going to post links in the facebook group do look us up if you're not a part of it um are, i think is this going out before or after the before the long infamous rumored nuts challenge yes it's going out before so we've got nuts coming up in the next couple of days and then next week we're speaking to Jim from Rat Race. So uh, all the questions that you've placed in the group, we're going to put to him. Uh, find out more about his plans for the Man vs. Series. Um, and I think the next one they've got coming up is Mammy Lakes. Um, and also the very first proper race in Edinburgh. First <laughs> yeah, race in it. So um, any other questions, do get in the group. Send us emails to letters at badboyrunning.com. That's right. And... Um, Please subscribe if you haven't already and tell your friends about this uh, podcast. Amazing. And remember, get in the group, support Lee, loads of abuse. Um, and uh, yeah, let's get into the finish. And if you ever have a moment of doubt, like, have, have I gone too far? Is this too abusive? Then just Go add further. a few more reps and then, and then send it. Perfect. Well, I'll, uh, I'll see you shortly. See you on Monday. See ya. Bye 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 bye. Bye 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 bye. bye, 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 bye. Bye 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around.